0: This episode of POMCAST is sponsored by Chrysalis Yarn Company, a one-woman hand-dyed studio owned by Mindy in Dallas, Texas. Mindy's small batch studio offers artisan hand-dyed yarns in playful, enthusiastic colours, from the brightest neon rainbow hues to the moodiest tonals.
1: Mindy strives to offer more than just pretty yarn, though. Chrysalis Yarn Company is about inspiration as well as aspiration. It's about unlocking the creative capacities in every fibre enthusiast.
0: Taking soft and delicate strands of promise, Mindy transforms them into twisted hanks of art through the magic of colour. She asks you to imagine the incredible potential of each unique skein. You are the architect of its imaginative transformation.
1: Visit chrysalisyarns.com or chrysalisyarnsco on Instagram to see Mindy's amazing skeins. Naturally, we're thinking of issue 40 and we're totally enamoured with their new dreamscape collection, which shares the same theme as our latest issue. We can just imagine a pair of revelry socks in the pastel sugar and daydream colourways.
0: Chrysalis yarns, where every skein is a chrysalis bursting with potential. What will yours become? Hello. Hello!
1: Hi and welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly Magazine. I'm Sophie heath and joined as I often am, as I always am, with Lydia Gluck. Welcome. Hi Soph. I feel like I'm introducing you more officially because you're actually in a different time zone to me this time.
0: (laughs) Joined from across the world, transatlantic.
1: (laughs) And live from San Francisco, (laughs) it's Lydia Gluck.
0: (laughs) Yes, I am in San Fran, which is pretty fun. And I was in Austin last week with the wonderful Megan Fernandez.
1: I was gonna say we have so much to catch up on we were talking just before this recording and i was like okay don't tell me that because i just we've got to save it for the podcast so for the <laughs> the fill-in with the podcast peeps because you and megan have been in austin which is our uh, us palm location photographing um well, not personally photographing but you were on hand for the issue 41 photo shoot
0: Yes, indeed we were, which was a slightly longer than usual photo shoot because it's going to be a slightly bumper issue because it's our 10-year anniversary issue, which is wild. I can't believe it's been 10 years.
1: (laughs) I know. I feel like this is the first time we really talked about it on the podcast and about it being the anniversary year but I guess people are going to start hearing about this a lot
0: (laughs) they sure are or some some people might have already figured it out I had a text message from a friend of mine the other day who just texted being like oh my gosh 10 years of pom-pom congratulations I'm so proud of you which was really sweet and for a moment I was like did we announce this somewhere because I know she follows us on Instagram Hmm. And then she texted me, like, I was just looking at my pom-pom tote bag, like one of the old ones that says established in 2012. Uh, Very
1: good. And she had
0: deduced that uh, it had been 10 years.
1: (laughs) That's some some good maths there. That's the kind of person you want to have around with maths like that. That's good.
0: Exactly. Especially for the knitting maths every now and then, you know, need the maths helpers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I do remember being in the, the old studio with Amy, who we work with, years ago like maybe four years ago, where she worked out what issue it would be for the 10th anniversary. And for some reason, I was like, that's just too far away. I can't even think of that actually being reality, <laughs> the math that you've presented me. And actually like, oh, yeah, be around issue 40. So here we are.
0: <laughs> here we are. Exactly. Doing the issue 41 shoot. So that is why one of the reasons why I am in America slash was in Austin, So I was there for the photo shoot and then I had the great pleasure of teaching at the Hill Country Weavers uh, Retreat, which was my first ever time teaching at a retreat and I had a wonderful time. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I got to meet lots of very wonderful knitting people and see lots of very nice yarn and both of those things are a great joy. And people um, seemed to enjoy my classes, which was very rewarding. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it has been nice to be in a place that is different to the place I have been for the past two and a half years or whatever it is.
1: (laughs) I understand the excitement with that. When you say retreat, I, you know, I've never been to a knitting retreat. I imagine people just lying around on skeins of yarn. (laughs) <laughs> and knitting all the time. Uh, maybe there's fluffy robes involved. I don't know. What is a knitting retreat?
0: I feel like the knitting retreat you're imagining should be made a reality. Yes. Because it sounds very relaxing. <laughs> um, this retreat involves um classes by lots of wonderful knitting teacher types, including Gudrun Johnson, who of course, whose book we published um, very recently, and there was Mary Jane Mucklestone, well known Fair Isle knitting knitter and there was also Vincent Williams of Vesuvius Crafts who was teaching very exciting like knitting and crochet related classes unfortunately I didn't take any classes so my understanding of the classes is based purely on the names of them (laughs) Um, but it was wonderful to meet him and there was Dawn Barker lots of wonderful knitting types and of course Hill Country Weavers um, is a shop that we have an extra especially good relationship with just because Megan lives nearby and has taught in the store and um, so yeah they're kind of like that well they're definitely her local yarn store and so they are one of Pom Pom's local yarn stores and it was very nice to get to spend a bit more time in the company of the wonderful people who run the shop Um, because of course many of them were helping out at the retreat working hard I should say helping out makes it sound like they were like very relaxed I mean they were like relaxed in that they were very um wonderful to spend time with but they were definitely busy bees that whole weekend I bet. um yeah so there was lots of classes and then um a wonderful marketplace and the retreat was in a kind of resort um just outside of Austin on a lake which I can't remember the name of unfortunately but it was a nice lake and there was a pool and nice food and you know there was like people knitting in the bar in the evening and so on they were very careful about their COVID guidelines and everybody was wearing masks indoors so that was good too and yeah it was really really nice very much recommended.
1: So what was the class the classes you were teaching?
0: So I taught two classes one of them was Um, called exploring the potential of top-down raglans and that was based on ready set raglan Um, and that was a lot of fun kind of looked through the different raglan seams that we have in the book and talked about different variations and color combinations and did um, a bit of swatching and a bit of coloring in which was a lot of fun (laughs) to test out you know color blocking ideas and so on um and the other class I taught was about um the technical illustrations that I do for pom pom so the little tutorial drawings um which most recently you can mainly see in like knit how and ready set raglan um so it was about understanding your knitting better through these illustrations so we did some again some coloring in which was a lot of fun and tracing and just talking about the process of converting a kind of um smooth motion that operates in 3d into discrete steps in 2d and the kind of things you have to think about to do that that sounds like a
1: pro line from a class like <laughs> i'd pay for a class just to hear that like oh interesting Smooth motion yeah. in 3d sure <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah that's
0: me when i'm knitting i'm a smooth motion in 3d
1: <laughs> definitely well, that's fantastic well how exciting that you could make this trip and uh Meet all these people. How were the people in your class? Were they well behaved?
0: <laughs> they were very, extremely well behaved
1: <laughs> um, and
0: really wonderful company. Everybody was uh, very thoughtful and attentive. And I learned lots of things. You know, it's the thing that people always say when they're teaching, like, oh, I learned so much from my students. And I really did. <laughs>
1: nice. Nice. It's Good true. Sim- <laughs> symbiotic Symbiotic relationships. Is that what we want? Yeah. 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 Nice.
0: Yes. So it's been a lot of fun. And now, of course, as mentioned, I'm here in San Francisco um with Eli who um people who've been listening to the podcast since the beginning will know used to do the production for this podcast and write music for it and was part of our five-year podcast um podcast live celebrations and he now works in the podcasting industry um so
1: (laughs) we gave him a leg up you think you know you taught him all he knows about podcasts
0: (laughs) (laughs) um so I'm here with visiting him and his family who are living here at the moment which has been a really delightful add-on to my American adventure yeah but soon I will be back in the UK just a couple more days now um which I feel is good I'm sort of getting to that point where I'm like I'm still very much enjoying being here but I'm ready to be at home
1: it's nice to go away it's nice to come back that's how I feel about it so
0: exactly but anyway enough about me how have you been, Soph?
1: Oh, Matt, well, I did something today which I was very excited about. I've literally just rushed back to do this recording. <laughs> but um, I loved hearing about your US travel because, um, yeah, I feel like I'm travelling vicariously through you. And I want to ask more about the issue you wants to shoot very soon. But I've just come back from uh, seeing a talk by Lorna Hamilton-Brown, who was part of an exhibition at the Crafts Council. And they had an exhibition called We Gather, which was lots of different, Female artists of Black and Asian heritage, um, sort of talking about their process of crafting and their work. And Laura Hamilton's talk uh, was about her symbolism in her piece. I don't know if people have seen it recently, or maybe through Instagram or anything. Uh, and we'll definitely have a link to that in the show notes. It's her knitted uh, imaginary front cover of a knitting magazine and it's this really powerful image of a black knitter uh, making a scarf and um the detail on it is amazing she's she machine knit this and did lots of duplicate stitch over it to bring out all these different details of uh, the piece like the woman's amazing afro and the little detail of the barcode and all these things um so yeah it was a talk about her process as a as a maker and as a you know her her life as a black Artist as well, and a black knitter, and this importance of saying that black people do knit, and this is their story um so I feel very fortunate that I was able to like get a ticket and uh go see that and yeah, it felt like amazing to be in a community of knitters and listening to her and saying the word knitter a lot there were crochets as well, and she did touch <laughs> on crochet a lot as a as its own um special art form um but yeah I, felt, I thought it was just an amazing way to spend my morning, so that's what I've been doing. <laughs>
0: that does sound like an amazing way to spend a morning and I'm looking forward to um I I saw on the uh pom-pom whatsapp group yep. that you had shared <laughs> some things on there but I haven't really looked at them yet because it is only 8 30 in the morning here and I will be honest I was a little uh sleepy before we started recording this podcast and I haven't quite looked at the pictures properly yet but I'm looking forward to looking at those and um I feel like like you are traveling vicariously through me, and I, through you, got to attend this talk, and it sounds really wonderful. And I've it was, was it the, it's the last weekend of that exhibition, is it, it is,
1: unfortunately. So, yeah, I wish I could have uh, gone earlier and talked about this earlier as well. But they the talk that I went to specifically was due to happen uh, before Christmas, um, and then that got moved because of Omicron concerns so um yeah it's uh, now happened in the last weekend but uh yeah the talk has been recorded by the craft council that's going to be on their website in a couple of weeks so we'll definitely make sure like we put a link to that either on the show notes or you, you follow pom pom on instagram you can find it there probably make sure we share that again
0: oh brilliant oh that's good so yeah i'm glad that i'll be able to hear that bit at least
1: <laughs> So now on to news. I feel like we've had a good, healthy dose of us news, which kind of blends into the POM world and the knitting world. But, um, you know, I'm just really excited to hear about the issue 41 shoot.
0: Well, it was an absolute delight. It was, I mean, Megan has just such excellent photo shoot organizing skills. (laughs) It was, uh, and, you know, because I'm not based in Austin, it was, you know, a bit harder for me to be involved in the organization of this shoot. But um, Megan absolutely smashed it. And it was just like a really wonderful day and a half that we were shooting with um, the photographer, Laura Moorsman, who has shot many an issue of Pom Pom. Um, And of course, we had Gail, who is one of our US based team members. She was on hand, just taking care of everyone, making sure that we had coffees. And she did some absolutely outstanding stills styling of yarn and similar and we had incredible models and a wonderful makeup artist and the location was um, this like old school house in a kind of little tiny town just outside of Austin like a sort of 40 minute drive outside of Austin that was next to like a fire station that I desperately wanted to get a photo of but because photo shoot days are often so busy I like you know we drove past the fire station I was like I must get a picture of that because I've like never seen anything that looked like it I I mean American people probably like boring that's like a rural firehouse thing (laughs) but I was like
1: what is that what what made it so (laughs) special then
0: it was just like a kind of like metal almost like triangular building it looked like kind of like a metal barn I don't know maybe I'll try and find a picture of something similar and show it to you um but yes it was an old school house that um has been sort of done up as like a a venue slash photo shoot location um, and it was very beautiful and we had wonderful sunny weather for both days, which was good um, because it had been quite grey and drizzly and even quite snowy <laughs> in Austin. So we got <laughs> we got really, really, really lucky um, with the weather. And, of course, the knits were the real stars of the shows because many of them I hadn't seen until... I arrived at the shoot i was of course um, transporting some of them so those ones i was more familiar with but yes it's very exciting we've got a great lineup for that for the for issue 41 being the special issue that it is and it's always such a joy to see the knits and crochet items come to life finally because we've always been working on these issues for quite a long time you know, everything leads up to this point where we've done the photo shoot and then we go into layout and production and so on. And, you know, we spend a lot of time, like, looking at the sketches initially and then looking at colours and then imagining those colours in the form of real knits. and then the samples arrive and that's really exciting. And sometimes we try them on, I'm not going to lie, you know, it does happen. (laughs) I mean,
1: yeah, definitely. It's a lot of trying on.
0: But it's so different seeing them on... The models in the location um, and getting to kind of see the the vision come to life and yes we're very very excited as you can probably tell to share uh, this issue because it's special in so many different ways yeah and yeah we're excited for everyone to see I mean you've seen a fair few sneak sneakity peekities
1: I mean that I have and I guess it's uh it's interesting talking about it now we've got to kind of hint about a lot of stuff because the previews are going to be coming in mid-April and, of course, we will be shouting it from the rooftops when we do have those. But, yes, it's sort of lots of familiar names, like uh, POM Pals who we've worked with before. Um, it's going to be 13 pieces. So that little, you know, what's an average POM issue, like nine or ten. So we're, like, mm-hmm. uh, giving you guys a little boosted <laughs> numbers.
0: <laughs> yes. And there's other special things about the issue, too, that will be revealed. But in the meantime, we should also... Uh, remind that issue 40 is out can't forget about spring
1: oh my gosh so spring that's uh, out in the world the on sale date has uh, been celebrated <laughs> <laughs> and yeah <laughs> our, our spring issue issue 40 is uh, the latest issue of pom and has a special part in our hearts as well just like every issue so
0: it does and if you like floaty mohair which perhaps you do then issue 40 is definitely the right place If you don't, there's also wonderful things for you. Actually, that was also fun because I got to see the issue 40 samples, um, which most of which I hadn't seen IRL because the shoot happened in Austin and I couldn't go. So it was really cool to see lots of things there. And because we had um, in the marketplace at Hill Country Weaver's Retreat, we had like a little stand with pom-pom publications and pom-pom samples. And I marvelled again at the Ciriform socks from Issue 40 by Marie Regnier, which are these wonderful ribbed socks, um, and they have like really clever construction on the heel so that the ribbing continues, and wonderful colour blocking, and they're in mohair and a sort of more regular like wool sock yarn. Or you know you don't have to use the mohair, but we have those samples in the mohair, but. They just, because they're entirely ribbed, they just look so funny when they're not on a foot. They look like little Quentin Blake. Was it you that said they look like, little, oh, it was like Alice, Quentin- yeah. Oh, Alice, yeah, said they look like Quentin Blake feet. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're like funny little pencils, I always think, like little <laughs> tiny little wigs. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, but it was, yeah, it re- reminded me that I definitely want to make them because I had a, a good old look of those. For the comedy um, factor
1: alone, you've got to have them, you
0: know. I'm often in things for the comedy factor, so... <laughs>
1: I mean, why are we doing that so? (laughs) Comedy factor. (laughs) Uh, Well, speaking of socks and then speaking of knitting, but I was just wondering, we haven't for a while had a chat about what we've been knitting or or working on. I wonder if you have any good travel knitting, and I'm wondering if it's socks, basically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think if you were to bet, placing a bet on socks would have been a really safe bet. But you would have lost, Sophie. I'm sorry.
1: My life savings. Not again.
0: (laughs) Gone. You're like, all Lydia does is make socks. Sometimes other things in addition to socks, but always socks.
1: But when you're traveling, especially.
0: Exactly. But here's the thing, Sophie. I promised my sister. Well, I have two sisters and two brothers and they are steadily turning 30. They're all younger than me and they are, um, you know, taking it in turns (laughs) to turn 30. That's very good uh, That's yeah. very good of them, yes. And um so I for their 30th birthdays, I decided for each of them I would make them like um a jumper basically, or like a knitted item that was of size, because I have I am too selfish a knitter to be constantly <laughs> making jumpers for all of my siblings and you know parents and there's family members everywhere. Um but I thought 30th birthday, you know, milestone. So I made my sister, Eleanor, a few years ago, I made her a um, a jumper. And then Thea turned 30 recently. Actually, it wasn't that recently anymore because I'm very (laughs) behind schedule. This is part of the story. Um, And I said to her, happy birthday. Here is your voucher for one custom knit item. And Thea um, is a prop maker and painter decorator. And she drew the jumper that she wanted. And she sent me a picture of it. And I agreed to make this jumper and it involves intarsia, which is fine, but, um, you know, is a little more complicada than the things I've been knitting more recently. And I agreed to make it. Then I had my repetitive strain injuries in both elbows. So couldn't really knit, let alone a whole jumper for quite a long time. Finally, I'm in a position to be knitting again. And I had bought the yarn for this jumper. I finally, you know, I've written the chart, adapted a pattern. I was like, okay, I'm ready. And I realized that the only way I was going to actually start this jumper was by making it the only thing I had with me on this trip to knit. And it's worked. Okay, good. Yeah, It's a happy ending. It's okay. So I'm now sort of halfway through the front and I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the the intarsia. And I am now like, wow, think of all the intarsia things I'm going to make from now on. Um, It's not, in some ways it's not, the perfect travel knitting because it's a bit fiddly Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll really be able to do it on the plane but luckily I have acquired some yarn while I've been here you'll be pleased to know (sighs) (laughs) I'm
1: curious is the intarsia is it a pattern or is it like a picture is it like a comedy like giant animal print or something
0: it's kind of the simplest in terms i've made it sound like really complicated and <laughs> scary the thing is is like most of the jumpers i've been making recently have been raglans you know knitting the round top down sort of very little of my thinky brain involved um whereas this jumper will be knit in pieces because that's just a little bit easier you can do a tartar in the round but I decided not to it's basically like in two colors and there's a kind of the colors meet um kind of at the front of the jumper and they like have a sort of wiggly wiggly mm, line like a mirage um, emerging yeah. In front of the jumper. yeah I feel like it's, it's really not um it's not the most complicated one I've probably made it sound almost impossible I think
1: this definitely sounds like there's work in it there's no merit in it being more difficult than anything else
0: no I suppose also the thing is that there isn't a pattern for it so I sort of um had to dig up my pattern writing brain and come up with something suitable um but it's been really fun actually and it's kind of um it's been nice to have something a little more challenging because I think I have been making less challenging things and again you know like you say there's no merit in either direction I've been leaning on my comfort knits which are very useful well when I could knit like when my elbows were allowing me to um you know I was going for like yeah socks for example <laughs> so it has been really nice to um right remember that I also like a bit more of a challenge sometimes when I'm knitting
1: nice exciting and how lucky for your sister to get something nice. so <laughs>
0: By the time Can I finish see. it, she'll be like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> uh,
1: well, hey, who's got a new Intelsia jumper then? Hello. Um, but what have you been making? I mean, to use the phrase, uh, not using my thinky brain, which I think is uh, the official <laughs> term you used. Maybe uh, I'll get a t-shirt with that on it. <laughs> yeah. It'll <laughs> be good for a pencil or something. Like, thinky <laughs> yeah. brain pencil. Non-thinky brain pencil. Uh, I have been making a raglan, which is also a gift for someone else, Uh, a gift for my husband, which I was going to do for Christmas. (laughs) No comment on the timeline that it is now, (laughs) so that's fine. And I am really enjoying just doing exactly the same that's in the book, because as you know, and other people may remember, we, the POM team, made a lot of the samples. Not all, some of them we did with the uh, sample knitters, uh, we knitted the samples that are shown in the book. And uh, I made the brown watch, which is Mary Uh It's a lovely, like, rich chestnut brown in the book. And, uh, and he, ha- he has now adopted that jumper. And he said, for him, it's his perfect jumper. Much like Raglan's are, so versatile and enjoyable by <laughs> all shapes and sizes. So I'm just doing exactly the same as that in a different colour. What colour? It is a gorgeous grey by The Uncommon Thread, who is a dyer based in Brighton. And it has tiny little, like, flecks in it. The colour is called Spectre. And it's just got, like, a little subtle, like, multicoloured fleck. Unusual. I thought, not something I thought he would go for.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, you know, I don't know David as well as you do, of course. But Mm. I would not have guessed that. If I was a betting woman, I would have lost.
1: (laughs) but, well, we're both penniless. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, he sort of likes more kind of, like, like a darker green or, like, a maroony or a richer brown. So, yeah, and I'm enjoying like beautiful yarn to work with, nice simple jumper. So, yeah, that's, um, you know, been a lot of love for raglans. And also, one of my go to confidence is making baby hats. I like to make them as like little palette cleansers in between things. Or if I'm going somewhere and I don't want to take the jumper, I make lots of baby hats. And then, you know, such is the world, people are often, so often expecting babies. And I'm like, you're having baby? Here, have a hat. And it's ready yes, to hat.
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining you like, like throwing them like frisbees, and just like landing on little babies' heads.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> and then people are like, This is a great hat. And I'm like, Yeah, what do you expect from me? I'm a knitter. I right? know what do you want. You want the great hat. <laughs> like it comes kind of as it is. Yeah. You're I like, got yeah, you. Yeah, of
0: course it does. I got you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. So we like to end this episode, this chat episode, the armchair episode, if you will, transatlantic armchairs that we are. <laughs> uh, we like to end it with some uh, fun recommendations or something we're excited about. Uh, Lydia, what, what's what's on your mind excitement-wise?
0: <laughs> what's on my thinky brain? Thinky excitement brain. <laughs>
1: my uh, my thinky brain might have not thought of the words at the end of that sentence. I don't know if anyone noticed how I <laughs> started that out.
0: I feel like we're both a little... Rusty somehow, even though we are we have been back doing the podcast for a while, but um, a little, <laughs> little rusty over here. That's okay, it's all okay. part of the charm, isn't it? It's a charmy, charmy, rusty <laughs> bench. Oh, god, this is an aside. But I, um, I was walking in a nice park in San Francisco and I saw a bench that had you know, benches often have plaques on them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, dedicated. To people and there was a bench that said it was dedicated to nice people from the nice family and it was maybe the best bench i've ever seen was that what it said something like that it was just like it was just nice it's a nice bench <laughs> it was a great bench i have a photo we could maybe even include it somewhere <laughs> love it. Yes. so i was excited about that um but also <laughs> um well i've had the great pleasure of being able to visit some art galleries while i've been in san francisco that's something that i really wanted to do while i was here i went to the de young museum which has a permanent collection of some of ruth asawa's work um she was a a japanese american artist who spent i think most of her life in san francisco i don't think she was born in san francisco i don't remember now but she certainly lived here for a long time and um she made these incredible they like looped wire sculptures. And I was I trying to... They're like to,
1: orbs, aren't they? Yeah,
0: they're like sort of suspended sculptures. Um, I took some nice pictures, which perhaps we can include if people are interested. Um, yeah, so these amazing kind of hanging wire sculptures that create beautiful shadows that kind of often end up being part of the experience of viewing the pieces, but also as a sort of fabric textily makey person I was you know trying to lean as close as I could without getting told off um and having a look at the way the structures were created and they're just like very I found them very um kind of peaceful to be around um and also Ruth Asawa has a really interesting life story um which is worth looking into and I also think actually that there's going to be a retrospective of her work in the UK this year I think in Oxford right. I'll double check that I think um, because I was listening to a podcast about her and they were saying that they were also saying that her work is actually often not viewed outside of the places where it's sort of hung permanently because it's really hard to transport, Mm -hmm. apparently. Um, Anyway, so I got to see her work in real life, finally, which was wonderful. And what else did I see? I saw all sorts of very exciting things. I also went to the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art or the SF MoMA. Nice. As uh, we like to call it, us cool art people. Yeah, and I saw some early Matisse paintings, which I was really blown away by. I think he's going to be a hit, Matisse. I think he oh, might yeah? make it. Yeah, nice. that's my that's my that's <laughs> <your> hot tip. <laughs> and they have some Frida Kahlo paintings. They have a Diego Rivera mural, which is just absolutely astounding. Um. Yeah, I can't really remember now all the different wonderful things I saw. Um and there were lots of artists that I hadn't come across before whose work um I was blown away by. And it was just really nice to be, you know, walking around, looking at the arts. And I spent a lot of time in the both shops. <laughs> of course, <laughs> in the museum shops because
1: through the gift shop.
0: Exactly. It was a lot of fun. I got a lot of postcards. Um and that was really great. So I guess I was excited about those things. I realise they're not necessarily the most visitable or accessible to a lot of our listeners, but hopefully hearing people being excited about art is a nice thing to listen to.
1: I always love to hear about the arts. You've got me excited. I remember there was a period in lockdown where my dad has shared a link to something for a virtual exhibition, and it was like a big mix of being like, oh, I'm so happy I can see this online, but also like a feeling of gratitude of when I could look at things, and then like that excitement of like, I'm sure everything will come out one day, and I can like go see something again in person. So, it kind of brings that feeling of like weird longing and excitement, and I don't know, lots of different things.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, I also because I saw um, a Leonora Carrington. As well, and I'd never seen any of her work in real life, and that was very exciting. I feel like they're just—I really do feel the difference being in the presence of the thing
1: mm-hmm. that the
0: person made <laughs> with their hands. And you're like, they also looked at this, <laughs> and I'm looking at it now.
1: Yeah, and I feel like I think we're talking about like big—choose <laughs> the broad broad brushstrokes,' <laughs> talking about <laughs> art in like the bigger context of big galleries or like uh institutions of art and culture I feel like locally I've sort of seen more things especially like at the moment in the UK everything's like in a period I say opening up again it's in that period of people sort of I feel like reawakening and sort of saying okay great what can we do in this community that I've seen more of these uh yeah like local art things like local makers doing open studios and um yeah like art trail kind of things and I think yeah it's worth sort of Reiterating that that's something I'm excited about seeing all those things and thinking like okay what can I get involved with that's happening with me here you
0: know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean I feel like I think I feel like I wish I had done a bit more research into seeing maybe some smaller exhibitions. But I think when you're so new to a place and you just have like no real context of yeah. how or where to look at these things, I was like I'm gonna just I'm gonna go for the the you know the big. <laughs> The big institutions for now, um, sure. but I think when I get back to Norwich, that's something I've also been really enjoying is seeing smaller, smaller exhibitions. And also, I guess because I am at art school, I see the work of my peers nowadays. Now that we're on campus a lot more, and that is really wonderful as well.
1: Nice. I mean, even just I was saying back to even just like a knitting group. I feel like being to go. Like I went to a knitting shop with a knitter friend the other day and I was like, oh my god, this is just so jazzed to be hanging out with you and like being like, what about this colour? She's like, mm, maybe more of an orange. You know, like, yeah.
0: Oh, was, uh... You're right, it's so fun. Which reminds me, I went to a knitting shop yesterday. Oh, yeah. I went to Imagine It because it turns out that where I'm staying with Eli is a three-minute walk from Imagine It.
1: I mean, it'd be really rude not to. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> so I popped in there yesterday and... Yeah, it was just like I was like, Here's, "There's so many yarns I haven't seen before," and I bought um, a yarn that I've never seen the likes of before, which is a neoprene yarn. What? What oh. oh,
1: is it like? Like so, sort of like flat, like tape, like cut neoprene?
0: No, or? it's not. It's like tubular, oh. and um, it's imagine it branded, so it's their yarn, and they had crocheted like a bowl out of it that was very cool. Wow. And it only came in one colour, which was this kind of like really fun, like really bright corally red colour, which, of course, I'm very happy about. Um, So I bought some of that with maybe a view to also making a bowl or maybe some, I don't know, coasters or I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but I was just like, I definitely want to buy this yard. I've never seen anything Mm -hmm. like it. I feel like yeah.
1: maybe a bag or something could be cool with that like some yeah. like a market bag for your veg and stuff mm.
0: yeah totally yeah it's definitely got some potential so i'm really excited to have discovered that and the wonderful staff at imagine it were very very friendly and lovely and it seems like a wonderful shop
1: nice i feel like i wish we we're like eventually throughout this whole podcast we would have like showered out every local yarn shop possible so and we've got two down episode. Yeah. <laughs> <stuff. laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, I wanted to end with a little wreck for a book that I'm reading at the moment, um, which is The Well-Gardened Mind, uh, which is a book by uh, Sue Stewart-Smith. Uh, the little tagline is uh, The Restorative Power of Nature. And I'm about halfway through it, and I got this book for Christmas, and it's a beautifully written book about her research into the power of gardening and being out in nature and green spaces, but more specifically how gardening is... I mean, basically, you read the book and it's like, there's no reason why you wouldn't want a garden to be able to like take care of something, to have the restorative power of plants and vegetables and fruits, flowers, everything. And she uses a lot of really interesting case studies where it's working with people who are recovering from PTSD or you know, uh, inmates at uh, different prisons and just how these people were given, I say... <laughs> given a new life growing from all this experience to use the word growing in such an operative way and it's really it's really i keep feeling really moved uh by so many bits of this book so even if you're not a gardener because so many references are to these case studies where people weren't gardeners they weren't didn't think gardening could offer them anything and then to be healed from such trauma that they had like certain situations like a you know, recovering from a war situation or being in combat, and yeah, I'm just really enjoying it.
0: Sounds really good. Sounds like a very, and I know that you are partial to a little gardening as well.
1: I am, and this has like really got me amped up. I'm like, why aren't I just in the garden every day, like doing more? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe it'll get me in the garden. I've not been historically particularly good at doing gardening.
1: I can, uh, I can. Well, you read this book. You, you never know. <laughs> I'll make a bet. <laughs> but there's something very beautiful. She says there's a particular chapter I'm reading right now about flowers and how, like, our, our love of flowers is that, like, tied into sort of this whole theory of. And she's a psychoanalyst, uh, the writer as well. So it's interesting, like, building on her sort of medical training and flowers as a as a symbol of beauty, but also life and loss, and how we can appreciate life because flowers die. Mm.
0: that cycle that's so good I feel like um reading I'm getting back into reading books again mm-hmm. and finding it like remembering um how much I enjoy it and how different it feels at least for me um to listening to things um I feel like my ears could do with the rest every now and then so reading is, is good
1: I mean, is that is that the end of the podcast then? Is that. Is that uh... <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: but also definitely listen to this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> After you've rested your ears, get back online and. Uh...
0: Exactly. <laughs> oh no, talking people out of listening. No, definitely listen.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think that is actually a good point. To, uh stop so uh, we just want to end but with saying thank you to chrysalis yarn company who are our wonderful sponsors again for this episode uh you can check them out on instagram that's chrysalis yarn co and all their amazing yarns and beautiful colorways are on their website chrysalisyarns.com as always we have all the links in the show notes so check them out on our blog if you want to check out anything that we've talked about and if you want the linkies we make the linkies for you so it's nice and easy
0: Yes, indeed. Well, I guess all that remains to say now is goodbye. And the next time we record, we will probably both be in the same country.
1: I know. Well, this is exciting doing this uh, for the first time uh, in different countries. So yay for us. <laughs> Sounded <laughs> no different to anyone else, but there you go.
0: <laughs> I know. I wonder if we could have been like, ooh, sneaky. No, there's no point. But yes, it's uh, it's been very fun to catch up on this lovely Saturday morning. Indeed. And we look forward to bringing you more POMCasts very soon.
1: Take care, folks. Bye. Bye. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Heathscott, along with the team of Pom Pom Quarterly Magazine. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop. That's pompommag.com forward slash shop.
0: Big thanks, of course, to Eli Block whose house I am in at the moment, for creating the original music for this show and for being an essential part in creating this podcast and a wonderful friend.
1: Thanks, Eli, for hosting Lydia for this episode. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. And thanks to the whole Pom Pom team, fabulous team working behind the scenes who help us all get this out on time. <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? You know how many stars we want. Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com and don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum.